Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, back with this week's episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. Last week, I talked about anxiety and how even when we work really hard and start seeing wonderful results for our efforts, we can become triggered by peace, and I tried to share a few options of what you might want to try if you're dealing with that. This week, I want to talk about another change we might see when we continue to make shifts in our life. One of the realities of taking control of our lives, our minds, our habits, is that even though we might begin to change, it doesn't mean the people around us will be changing with us. It's very possible that as we move toward healthier patterns, that we will outgrow people we love, and those relationships will end, sometimes painfully. This could be close friendships or romantic relationships or even relationships within our family dynamics. And it doesn't always happen. Sometimes the people we love are able to grow with us and change with us. I still have a few friends that I've known for many decades who have seen me in all of my iterations. They've bore witness to the rise and demise of sick Cory and healthy Cory and crazy Cory and sane Cory. No matter how it happens, when you lose someone, it's very natural to feel like you did something wrong. That the reason they're not in your life anymore is because you're not lovable or you're not even likable. And if it just so happens that you were in fact an a-hole at any point in the relationship, you are sure to replay the evidence of your terribleness over and over in your mind until you really feel like the scum of the earth. As I said, these shifts in dynamics can happen between friends or family or in romantic partnerships, but today I'm going to use a couple of my friendships as examples. In college, many moons ago, I had a friend... This was someone I had bonded with during one of the lowest periods of my life. Yes, this is the depressed suicidal period. I can't even remember if I had started therapy yet by the time I met her. Her mother was this super critical prima ballerina type, so she understood what it was like to have a very critical, very condescending and hurtful parent. And we had a lot of the same issues because of that. Low self-esteem, low self-worth, so on. But we also bonded because she was smart and funny and brilliant and just a really capable person. And I've always admired really capable people. I don't know what it is about people who know what they're doing, but man, it just, it floors me every time. It also helped that she was really into books, as I obviously am. And once she inscribed a book for me, a children's book that was about dreaming big, going after your dreams. And she had written the sweetest, most supportive message inside. And I still read that inscription and get choked up. And I feel so nostalgic for her and the time we had together. It just makes me miss her so much. But the truth is, she wants nothing to do with me. I know this because I've tried to reconnect with her a few times after our falling out, but she always makes excuses for why she can't meet up for a coffee and so on. So, I mean, the message is pretty clear, and when I think about what happened, I'm not really surprised. 
So before our falling out, we were really close in part because our lives were moving in tandem. We were both trying to get through graduate school and to work through our issues and get healthier. But then she went off to get a PhD and I graduated and started teaching. I met Kim, I moved to a new city, and we just grew apart. We weren't living five minutes away from each other anymore. But more than that, our lives were also going in really different directions. We were becoming different people. And when I felt this separation happening, I'm ashamed to admit I became an absolute jerk. I behaved really badly. There's no nice way to frame it. I was just an a-hole. And true, I didn't realize that that's what was going on when it happened. I didn't realize that... I was acting this way because I was miserable and that misery was seeping out and splashing on everyone within a certain radius of me. I had very little self-awareness at this point in my life because I was pretty much moving from day to day as this little pulsing ball of pain. And just one example, very embarrassing example of how my insanity played itself out around this time was I had driven to her house six or seven hours away from where we had been living. She was studying to get her PhD, like I said, and I went down there and I spent the weekend with her and some of our other friends. And you would think this would be like a happy little reunion with college buddies, but nope, (laughs) that is not what happened. It was just a weekend of me being really nitpicky and complaining about everything. It was like I felt the need to express every single displeasure that I had for the state of the world and everyone in it. But the worst moment of all of this was when she was trying to make a cake and it was supposed to have these rosettes on it. And I think you probably know what rosettes are. You know, they're the like roses that you make out of frosting. Because at the time, that was my favorite decoration. And she knew that she wanted to decorate a cake with these rosettes to make me happy, which is so incredibly thoughtful. And I had to go and ruin it by being a complete loon. Here we are in her kitchen on a warm day, leaning over this beautiful sheet cake that she's made, and she's trying and trying to make these pretty little floral decorations to my liking. And here I am, being the worst human in the world, bitching and moaning about her every attempt to make these little flowers, and it's not even her fault that they're turning out badly. It's a hot day, the icing is melting, and like how well can someone actually draw a rosette when they've got this Gordon Ramsay wannabe leaning over their shoulder barking orders about what it should look like. And so the next thing I know, much to everyone's surprise, I'm sure, we're fighting about these stupid roses made out of icing until we're both in tears about it. Every time I think about this story, I'm like, oh my god, what is wrong with me? Did I really end a friendship over some melty frosting? And of course, now I can look back and see that the fight had nothing to do with the cake and probably everything to do with the fact that we were both feeling the loss of our growing apart and we didn't know how to make that connection again. But kudos to her for not taking that cake and shoving it in my face because I honestly don't know how she held herself back. I mean, I have flipped a table for less. Ask anyone who has ever played Settlers of Catan with me. I get really impatient in those situations. And in just sticking to this vein of honesty, I have about four million other examples from my life of times when I ask too much of the people around me because the sad truth is that when my anxiety is high, when I'm suffering, when I'm not well, when something scares me or I start to feel out of control, my perfectionism takes over. I get really critical. I learned that from my father and it just starts pouring out of me. My brain is doing something like, if I can just get this situation or this person under control, everything will be fine. I won't have to be afraid anymore. 
which we all know that is not how that works. And yes, true, I've gotten better over time, but it doesn't erase the past. And whenever I think back on any of these instances, you know, I'm mortified. I'm completely ashamed of how I acted. Because it's painful to know that in her mind, I may always be that person. So it is a very real possibility that you did things, you said things, or you acted a certain way that you absolutely regret. People saw that side of you. People are going to remember that side of you forever. And it's going to be hurtful and embarrassing that that part of you exists somewhere in someone's memory. But you can't do anything about that. You just have to find a way to make peace with that, to let that go. And if you you can make it up to them or apologize to them somehow, I have since, just to be clear, I have straight up apologized to her and like prostrated at her feet for this behavior later. She still wants nothing to do with me. But I mean, I did what I could to make it clear that I understood that that was not acceptable. So I mean, if you can apologize, apologize. It might not get you anywhere. But at least you'll know that, you know, you did what you could to make things right. But other than that, like, you just have to let these things go. And there's going to be other instances where relationships end because you need to walk away from somebody. And I have a recent example of this for me, unfortunately. There's a woman that I met around the same time as Kim. In fact, they were friends first, and then she and I became friends later. And it was interesting because in the beginning, I was really jealous of her. I thought that she wanted to be with Kim, so there was this kind of unspoken rivalry between us. And eventually I realized that wasn't going to happen. Kim had no interest in her in that way. And so I was able to relax and we just became really good friends. And I grew to admire a lot of things about her. She's a very conscientious person. She cares a lot about the well-being of others. She's not afraid to do work on important issues. She's the kind of person who will always help you out if you need something. I've seen her give up hours of her day just to help strangers move. No one likes to help people move, let alone strangers. So there's no question that she's a very kind, considerate person. And I love that she never shies away from difficult conversations. She's very thoughtful. She's very thought-provoking. She would make me think about a lot of things and question a lot of things. I didn't always enjoy that at the time, but in retrospect, I could appreciate it. I have some fantastic memories of sitting around the campfire with her and Kim and listening to her tell these crazy stories that have us both like laughing so hard that we're crying. So she was good company. We had some great memories, but she also has issues like me. Her family background is troubled. There's some trauma there, and sometimes our traumas just did not mesh in any shape or form. And one of those ways we didn't mesh was I'm a very empathic person. When I'm listening to you, a lot of my energy and emotion shows up in the conversation. So I have to be pretty careful about who I talk to, what we talk about, for how long I talk to them, because all of that leaves me pretty drained. But I try to be a good friend. We learned from the rosettes, remember? So now I'm a good friend and I make myself available for these long conversations with her in which she would tell me what's going on. She would outline her problems, basic stuff, nothing egregious. But I would be so invested and so involved that when she didn't take my advice or she made the same mistake again or she was just a human being, it would leave me feeling really drained. I had invested all of this time 
and energy into a problem and then saw no resolution about it and I would get mad and it's just not healthy. And to be clear, this is a codependent boundary issue and I'm going to talk more about codependency later because if you have a alcoholic in your life at all, chances are you're dealing with codependency at some point. So it was a codependent boundary issue. It was all on me, totally my fault for not drawing that distinction, for not guarding my emotional well-being. And so once I recognized that, once I recognized what I was doing, I was able to kind of pull back a bit. But I think she registered that as me not wanting to be as close to her, with me not wanting to share as much. And I don't think I articulated that that was what was happening. So I'm sure that was something that was kind of buzzing in the background. But then later, a different issue emerged which was when the three of us were together, me, her, and my wife, Kim, it would turn into this horrible dynamic where Kim and I would just gang up on her. Whenever we would see her, this would happen. It was kind of like how when I was on the phone with her and issues would come up and you start giving advice because that's what you do when you're talking to your friends about their problems. But instead of just this two-way exchange when there was the three of us, it would just turn into a critique of her life and her choices. And every time it happened, I would just feel so horrible at the end of the conversation and I would pull Kim aside and I'd be like we have to stop doing this like I feel so bad like I feel like we're giving her a complex like I don't care if she brings this up or she asks for it or whatever like we have to stop because I don't like it and you know Kim would be on board she was like yeah okay we won't but then the next time it would just start happening again and this dynamic kept playing itself out and I was feeling like she was also just sort of giving us this invitation to rag on her and her life and I didn't like it. I did not want to reinforce her low opinion of herself. I didn't want to be that kind of friend. And so it became a source of conflict because it, it didn't bother Kim. Kim loves <laughs> Kim loves gossip and drama. She does not take it on emotionally in any way like I do. It does not absorb into her feeling or emotional landscape into her mind. I take everything to heart. She takes nothing to heart. It's probably why we're such a good balance as a couple, but I just couldn't handle it. And the direction I'm personally moving in is that I don't want to criticize anyone. I don't want to be a critical person in anybody's life. I don't want to cut anyone down. I remember from being under my father's thumb how hurtful it was, how destructive it is, how every time someone says something about you like that it it cuts you even if you're playing or you're joking and so I kept finding myself in these situations where it was happening and there was just a momentum to our conversations and you know it would play out like this and I didn't know any other way of not doing it other than to remove myself from the situation so again I'm I'm starting to distance myself I'm starting to look for solutions and options I'm trying to figure out how to change the dynamic when the three of us are together how to slow things down and figure out what I want to do. And by the way, these realizations are coming to me around the same time that my mother was murdered, right? So I'm going through this new trauma, maybe the worst one to date. A lot of my history is being brought up as well as some truth bombs, my whole worldview of my mom, myself, everything that's happened to me is changing. Basically everything I told you about in the Who Killed My Mother podcast, all of that is playing itself out. The stress about my uncle and if I'm going to see any justice and the court situation with the house and all of this just on top of my usual, you know, emotional ups and downs, my existential, I'm a writer trying to make a living <laughs> stress around a business kind of thing. And I just remember it was around the one year anniversary of my mom's death and I just was not in a good space. I was feeling really emotional. I was doing a lot of heavy processing and I had just seen her, this friend, 
We had gone on a long camping slash kayaking weekend together, the three of us. And of course, as usually happens, right at the beginning, we had a big fight about nothing. And we did make up, but by the end of the weekend, I was just so tired and I was thinking a lot about my mom and I just did not have the emotional bandwidth to do anything than try to take care of myself, to look after myself. And so we had a group thread, me, her, and Kim were on like a group chat and they were going back and forth and I just didn't participate. I didn't respond to any of her texts for, I don't know, maybe two, maybe three weeks. I honestly don't remember how long. And then finally she comes in with this text of, you know, just so you know, I won't be ghosted by anyone. And I just, I reacted poorly. I felt like it was a very manipulative way to force a response from me. I know that's not how she meant it, and I don't think that's what she was feeling. I think she was probably just hurt, and she wanted me to respond in some way to acknowledge her. But because I was not in a great headspace, I could not bring my best self to that conversation. You know, I was too wrapped up in everything that was going on with me. And so I sent a bunch of those full page text when someone they're just typing 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 and it's like a whole it's like a whole thing that I'm sure was full of typos and probably misspellings and whatever and I just I was so mad and I kept fixating on the fact that her first question wasn't I haven't heard from you are you okay I was seething over that I don't even know why I was so obsessive but I was telling myself things like when I don't hear from a friend the first thing I'm like is is this a kidnapping situation do you need something should I bring a shovel because I was fixated on that I kept building it up in my mind and I was making myself madder and I just kept using it as evidence that she didn't care about me that she had never cared about me that it was always just about her and it didn't matter how much energy I had invested in her problems in all these years and clearly she was never going to show up for me in the same way and etc. And none of this is an accurate picture of our relationship, by the way. It was just my anger talking. It was just my mind spinning out of control because I was so mad. I was so done. I was just done. And I had nothing left to give. And so I ended this sort of rant with a, I need a break. I can't be your friend right now. I don't even remember how I put it, actually. I just told her, essentially, that I didn't want to talk to her for a while, that I had too much going on. And basically, like, here I am trying to practice self-care, and how dare you ask me to meet your needs? I'm sure it was not a great response. But yeah, I essentially ended our friendship over a text by saying I needed a break, and I didn't know how long I was going to need this break for. And do I feel horrible about how that played out? Often. And do I feel like I did something wrong and that I'm a bad person, even though I am also 100% sure that I was just trying to take care of myself and my needs? Also, yes. Like earlier this spring, Kim went to see her. They went and had a trip without me, and it was just so hard. I was so heartbroken. I was so sad about it because her and Kim are still friends. They still talk, and... They talk on the phone, they laugh, and it makes me miss her, it makes me feel left out, and it just, it's awful. And it will probably continue to be hard like that for the foreseeable future because every time I think about her or I want to reach out to her and talk to her, I have these conflicting feelings of, no, wait, I can't just jump back in there because even if she would want to talk to me, because at this point maybe she has no interest in me whatsoever, but even if she did, all of our old issues are still there. Like, I don't know how to do any of the boundary stuff. I don't know how to not get swept up in the dynamic that the three of us have when we're together. Because Kim continues to critique her and her life. They enjoy that. They like sharing the drama, the gossip that works for them. But I can't do it, and I can't be that person for her. And I don't want 
an opportunity to hurt her or to tear her down, because it's clear to me, whether or not she realizes it, that it does have a toll on her. These conversations do hurt her, and I just don't want any part of it. But also, their relationship is none of my business. It has nothing to do with me. That's between them, and that's a boundary that I have to respect. I can only focus on the piece where I'm involved, which is that I love her and I care about her, but I don't want the kind of friendship that we had. If my ambition is going to be to only be a loving, supportive person in the relationships in my life, I just don't know how to cross that distance with her. I have zero ideas about how to change our dynamic. I don't even know if she wants to change it again or if she'd be willing. But what I do know is that at this moment, the most loving thing I can do for both of us is to remove myself from the situation. And it feels awful, and the temptation to blame myself is very high. But this is just what it is. This is what happens sometimes because people change and relationship dynamics change and people want different things. So what I'm trying to say with all of this is that it doesn't matter if you become a better person, a more patient, loving, compassionate person. If you've hurt someone in the past, they might not be interested in rekindling a friendship with you, and you'll have no choice but to let them go. And other times, you'll be the one who has to walk away, either because you don't want them to hurt you or you don't want to hurt them. And you might still really love them. You might still care about them a lot. But you walk away because it's the kindest, gentlest thing that you can do for you and for them. So no matter how things shake out for you and your relationships as you continue to go down your healing path, your healing adventure, your self-love adventure, just remember this. That just because you've made mistakes or did bad things, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that you're human, that you're learning, that you're growing. And just because someone can't be your friend, they don't want to talk to you or they can't forgive you, it doesn't mean that no one will ever like you or even that you're a bad friend. You just didn't mesh for whatever reason. You weren't good for each other. And sometimes the most loving thing you can do is to accept this, to remove yourself from the situation, just to let things rest how they are. And work on forgiving yourself for the mistakes that you made, forgiving other people for mistakes that they've made, apologizing when it's appropriate, just keeping in mind that we're all learning all of the time, and to just be kind when you can, whether that kindness is directed at yourself or someone else. And that is what growing looks like. Okay, so that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed these charming examples of my everlasting shame and, uh like me, will find some benefit in it, some use in it. And next week, I'll be back with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. But until that time comes, I wish you a wonderful week, and I thank you so much for listening. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.